everyone and welcome. To our online viewers, we welcome you. I pray you had a wonderful New Year's celebration that was filled with just joy and the love of God. How many of you know that we made it through 2020, amen? God kept us and we're here and His promises still stand. This morning, let's just offer up a sacrifice of worship and thanksgiving, amen? We have so much to be thankful for. Lord, we love you. Right now, we surrender. We come and we lay ourselves at your feet because you are good and you are God of all things. And we trust you, we love you, and we give you all the praise.
looking forward with great anticipation for the year 2021. And we do thank the Lord for all that he's done in 2020, but looking forward to great things in 2021. Just wanted to update you on a few things. If you were here last Sunday, you noticed that while Pastor Kevin was preaching that the projector on this side went totally out. And uh, this week, we moved an old one from another building. So you will notice it's not quite up to the same quality as this. It's not HD, but it's just temporary until we can send the other projector off and get parts or either replace it, whichever one is more cost effective. So just want to make you aware of that. And then also wanted to update you. I know some of you may be wondering about the awnings on the other buildings. What happened to them? What's the plans? What, what are we going to do? Uh, right before Christmas, we had decided that we knew that those two original buildings and the children's church buildings needed some updating on the front, modernize them a little bit. We had some stucco repair work that needed to be done, and especially on the columns. And so the plan was that the guys were just going to put up some temporary columns, and then we were going to deal with everything. But when they took it down, y'all put up that picture. When they took the column, this is what we discovered at the top of the column. All of the wood had rotted out and we didn't know how the columns were standing. It was just a miracle that it did not collapse those awnings and fall, but we had to immediately remove all of those awnings and put up just that next picture, guys. This is how it looks now with just the awnings removed and the temporary tarps over that. So it put us into some more extensive construction that we had planned on doing right at this time. So right now we're getting plans on what we're going to do in order to recreate the fronts of those buildings. So next Sunday, we are going to do a special offering in order to jumpstart us on the expense of these building projects. And this is going to be ongoing. So out at the offering boxes, the yellow construction envelopes, you can be faithful to give through those throughout the year. They always go to maintenance and constructions when projectors go out or building processes or maintenance go on. And so next week is gonna be a special offering for that. And then throughout the year, if everyone is faithful to just give a little bit in those envelopes weekly, we always have what we need. And the gray envelopes out there, are always for your tithe. At the end of this year, just last week, we were reading through Malachi, and I want you to put up that Malachi 3 scripture that says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, that you may have all that you need in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it says the Lord of hosts, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you 
in the field, says the Lord, and all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. If you believe that scripture today, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. That is the word of the Lord. And many ministries these days are fearful to even read that scripture, but that's the Lord's promise to us. What a blessing. If we give of our first fruits, which don't even belong to us, then the Lord says that he's going to open the windows of heaven over our lives and he's going to rebuke the devourer off the other 90% of what you have. And I have seen that done time and time again in my life and in those in our church who have been so faithful to give of all of their increase. It may be a weekly paycheck or a monthly paycheck or a stimulus check that you unexpectedly get. The Lord says tithe off of all of your increase. And you know what? We have people, many people who have revelation on that. And all during 2020, throughout COVID, throughout job loss, throughout everything, not one month was the needs of our church ever failed to be met. And I want to give God all of the glory for that. And thank you for your faithfulness and your revelation as a church body. Today, our mission offering focus, we're going to focus on crusades and presenting the gospel to third world countries. We're going to support Bernie Moore and his ministry. We, it's one of our missionaries that we have supported for years during COVID. His ministry, as far as gospel crusades around the world, was kind of shut down. But in 2021, he has five major gospel campaigns planned in third world countries all around the globe. And the first one will be next month in East Africa, and these aren't just little gospel crusades. Tens of thousands of people come to hear the gospel for the first time and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. If you go on his website, Reinhard Bonnke, who has gone on to be with the Lord, says there's not many young people who have the anointing to preach crusades and to the masses in third world countries, but he said pray and support Bernie Moore because he has that anointing on his life and so pray for that upcoming february gospel crusade in east africa that those people would come and hear the gospel and be saved it takes between 80 and 90 thousand dollars to put on every gospel crusade but how worth it is it when tens of thousands of people come and hear and those that do receive the Lord and their eternal destinations are changed forever. We ended the year by giving to distribute Bibles and helping missionaries to present the gospel last week in Southeast Asia and blessing those Christians there that are persecuted and bringing the gospel to the lost. And today we want to start 2020 by giving to evangelistic crusades to see the gospel preached all around the world. So ushers, you come at this time as we prepare to receive the morning's missions offering. Let's give from the Lord to the Lord today from our hearts and focus on all that he's going to do this year. Let's stand and bring our offering forward.
Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to church. Whether you're here with us in the, the house of the Lord today or you're watching online, it is so good to have you. For those of you who may not know me, just to kind of tell you a little bit about myself, I'm Josh. I'm Pastor Kevin's son. My beautiful wife, Sarah, leads worship. She sang the second song this morning. Did she do a good job or what? Come on now. So proud of her. And we have two beautiful daughters, Ella Kate and Emmy Rose. Ella Kate's two years old, and she's just full of energy and joy most of the time. She's just so fun right now. And we have little Emmy Rose. She's eight weeks old, and she's just been just the best little baby. We are truly blessed. So I'm be speaking to you this morning. I told mom, maybe she needs to speak to you. Her word was so good this morning as she got up here and exhorted. But I want to pick up where my dad left off last week and read in James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produce, produces patience. That's the staying power that we've been talking about. I shall not be moved. 
But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and gives to all liberally and without reproach. It will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. We don't want to be like a wave, and we're going to read why in verse 7. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. The Lord said, if you're going to be a wave, I can't bless that. You can't receive from me because a wave is unstable. It's always changing. A wave by its very nature is unstable. A wave is created and then acted upon by outside forces and influences of this world. The wind creates waves and then affects them and changes them. Whether the tide is in go, uh, outgoing or incoming affects the waves. The gravitational pull from the moon affects the waves. Storms hundreds and hundreds of miles away can affect what the waves are like on a given day. I love to get out in the ocean and play in the waves and ride the waves and, and feel their, their power, but they can be really good one minute and then just go flat the next. That's just how they are because they're affected by any little thing. We can't be like that, blown around by every little thing that comes our way, distracted and influenced by any little thing that grabs our attention and causes us to be tossed to and fro. That's not the behavior of a born-again Christian. Instead, God compares us to a tree planted in Him. He says that He will call us trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. He carries us to Himself and he plants us. He roots us. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. I want you to imagine a tree, tree with me right now, a big tree, a strong tree planted by a river of water, and that river is sustaining that tree. That's who we're called to be. In the Bible, the water, water symbolizes cleansing. And it symbolizes salvation and life. The Spirit of God is our river of water, cleansing us, saving us, sustaining us every day. He's our water. He's our sunlight. He's our soil. He's everything we need to be full of life 
everything we need to be strong and prosper to bring forth fruit in our wheat leaves, not wither. We are called to be trees, not waves. Our faith in God, our, our love for Him and our love for His Word and our obedience to His Word is what roots us and gives us that staying power. I want to share with you a parable that Jesus told, and it's in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, you got to understand, these are people in church. They're hearing God's word. They're hearing the gospel. They're hearing the sayings of Jesus. But they're not abiding by God's word. They will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Both of those houses encountered the same elements. They both went through hard times and testings, but the house built on the rock was not moved. I want to ask you this, what is your life built on? Is it built on sand? Are you a wave? Or are you a, a tree planted by water? Are you founded on the rock? How many of you want to be founded on the rock, that that be the foundation of your life so you shall not be moved? As we look forward to the journey of this new year, 2021, God only knows what it's going to be like. Last year was a crazy year. God only knows what this year will hold, what elements will come our way and try to toss us around and to move us. But I pray that the Lord keeps us grounded. No matter what happens around us this year, we stay planted in Him. That's what my dad talked about last week, the Lord keeping us. Keeping us means that the Lord protects us and He guards us from what's going on around us. And I pray that He not only keep us in 2021, but he also carries us in 2021. Keep us this year and carry us this year. And to distinguish the difference between those two, I want to share with you this verse. Psalms 127.1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. The Lord guarding the city is the Lord guarding our life. 
It's the Lord keeping us. It's the Lord protecting us. If we try to guard our, our own life, if we try to do that on our own, the watchman stays awake in vain. It has to be God that keeps you and guards your life. But the Lord building the house in the passage that we read is Him building us up into something that, that is more than we are right now. We weren't meant to stay stagnant. We weren't meant to just rest on who we are right now. We need Him to carry us to new places in Him, building us up to become more and more like Christ with each and every day, fulfilling the plans He has for our life. We can try to do that on our own. We can try to build up our own life, go to new places on our own, but without God's grace carrying us, it's all for nothing. All that labor and struggle will be in vain. It was the Lord who built this church. As you look around and see what's all around us, He built Eagle Heights Church. My dad didn't build it. Our family didn't build it. Neither our staff or our congregation built Eagle Heights. The Lord built it. Eagle Heights is just turned 21 years old. And that's kind of hard to believe, you know, growing up and remembering where we, we came from. It's 21 years old. And the Lord has carried us all along the way. When we were meeting in the master bedroom, or what was the master bedroom of our home, the Lord was carrying us. And we couldn't could never know we would be here today. And I think if we could see that we would be here, there's no way that we could know how we would get here. It was only by His grace. The Lord used many people along the way to accomplish His will. A lot of hard work went into it. But we didn't get here by our might or our power but by the Spirit of the Lord carrying us every step of the way. The reason my dad named our church Eagle Heights is because of Exodus chapter 19, verse 4. And we're going to read this together. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. This is the Lord speaking. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. When the Hebrew people were in captivity by the Egyptians, they were in slavery, they were beaten, they were forced to work, the Lord delivered them. He lifted them up and carried them to himself. This verse is a perfect picture of God's grace on our life. God delivered the Hebrew people from a place that they couldn't be delivered from on their own. He carried them to a promised land that they couldn't get to on their own. He lifted them up and carried them on eagles' wings. 
Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians, to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. That means it's going to be a prosperous land that will sustain them. You've got to believe that God has a promised land for you. You say, what does that mean? It means that he wants to bring you to a land that is better than the one that you're in right now. A land that is good and large. A land that's flowing with milk and honey. It's a blessed place that will sustain you. And his presence will be all around you. Your promised land may not look exactly how you imagined it would. But it's God's place that he's prepared for you. It's a good place. It's a blessed place. You can't get there on your own. You have to be carried there. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He's asking you, please let me carry you to the Father. Let God plant you like a tree. Let Him show you His love and give you stability in your life. If you are saved today, God wants to carry you to a new place that is even more blessed than where you are right now. He wants to build you up stronger. He wants to work on you on the inside. How many of you know we all need work on the inside? He needs to mold us and shape us, teach us, and lead us to a deeper place in Him. Give us more understanding of who He is. You have to have faith that there is a promised land for you, that God will carry you there, and that it will be better than where you are right now. If you really believe that, it will change the way you live. Just as the Israelites were in bondage and captivity by the Egyptians, unless we accept Jesus, as our Lord and Savior, we are in bondage and enslaved by our sin. Enslaved by our flesh, our sin nature. John 8, 34. Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever but a son abides forever. Therefore, if a son, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Just as God extended grace to the Hebrew people when they were in captivity, he wants to extend that same grace to us today through the cross of Jesus. We can receive that same grace today. 
How do we receive it? Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace you have been saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. We receive salvation. We are saved by grace through our faith. What is grace? The Greek word for grace is charis. And that means gift. God's grace is a gift offered to us. We are gifted with God's favor. The unmerited favor of God on our life. That's what God's grace is. On Christmas Sunday, we talked about gifts and that a true gift isn't earned. It isn't paid for. It's freely given to you. Salvation is no different. It's a gift of immeasurable worth that we cannot earn. Nothing we can give in return can cause us to deserve the gift. It's only by grace we're saved. We can't boast about it. It's not of our works. We didn't deserve it. It's freely given. The gift and grace that is salvation is a beautiful thing. But I want to ask ourselves these questions. Think about these with me. Does the grace of God over our life end on our day of salvation? Do we get flooded with grace and that's it? Our salvation is a miracle, but is the power of the cross of Jesus limited to our salvation? And finally, do we continue to receive from Him, or is salvation our last gift? As my dad and I were talking about the message for this morning, he said one of the reasons the Lord led him to start Eagle Heights was because he was tired of seeing people just doing church, just doing religion, a, a, a checklist, something that had become a habit in their life. Maybe it hadn't always been just a habit, but it had become just something they do, just a habit in their life. And these people that had become like that had no power and no strength in God. One of the signs of the end times that is listed in 1 Timothy chapter 3 is that people will have a form of godliness but deny its power. I want to say I go to church, I want to go through the motions and have a form of godliness, but I don't want to submit to His Lordship. I don't want, I, I, I'm not submitting to the power of God and let Him be the power in my life. A form of godliness, but deny its power. And He said He saw people who were like waves, unstable and weak in their faith. And he noticed that they would only 
liked to sing about heaven. That was their favorite thing to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. I love songs about heaven. I love songs that look forward to the day when there will be no hurt and pain in our life and we're going to get to be with Jesus and everything is set right. That's a wonderful thing. But the reason that they loved to sing about heaven was it was because it was all that they had to look forward to. All they could do is look back on their day of salvation and look forward to heaven because they had no power and no strength in the in-between. The problem with that is God has a lot that He wants to do through you in the in-between. He wants to use you for His glory. He wants you to be an overcomer in Him, a conqueror in Christ. He doesn't want us to go through life with no power. But every time they tried to overcome something in their life, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of this that's keeping me in bondage. Every time they tried to step out in faith, they fell. They failed because they didn't have the power on the inside. These were not bad people, but good people who hadn't learned grace They hadn't learned to let God carry them, to let Him be their strength. They hadn't learned to receive from God. How do we receive from God? How do we find favor and grace in Him? How do we have power in our Christian walk? Let's look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And I want us to break this down. You know, maybe you have revelation that we are saved by grace through faith. But how we continue to grow in Christ and receive from Christ Christ is also by grace through faith. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, as you have received salvation, so walk in Him. The same way you were saved is the same way you're going to walk your walk with Jesus and run your race with Jesus by grace through faith. The same God that gave you salvation as a gift through His grace, He wants to continue to give you the grace you need to live your life. Not just get through life, but give you power in life. Give you power over the enemy. A strength to be a light to this world that desperately needs it. The power of the cross doesn't end at salvation. It begins with our salvation. The gift of salvation is only the beginning of the gifts that He wants to pour over you. People need to look at your life and say, I want that. I see what God has done through them. I see where God has brought them. I see where they came from. It was God who carried them there. Let me tell you, it's... it's It's a lot easier 
to give it over to God and let Him be your strength, let Him carry you, then you try to just trudge along through life in your flesh. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's an amazing promise that Jesus gives us. And I like the way the Message Bible says it. The Message Bible isn't an exact translation. It's just a paraphrase, but I love how they they put this verse. It says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Learn, I love that. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. It's not something I'm trying to make happen. I'm just carried along in His grace. Instead of struggling and striving in my flesh, I'm flowing in God's grace. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 tells us how to do that. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. There will always be grace for God's will for your life. If you live According to his will, there will be grace for it. But only God can make you will what he wills. We sang not my will this morning. Lord, not my will, but your will. And we don't even know what he wills unless he speaks that to us. If we live in our flesh, we're going to do, want to do the things that are not of God's will. And there will be no grace on it and there will be no blessing on it. It takes us opening our hearts and saying, God, what is your will? God, I'm listening. Show me the way to go. Show me what I need to do. So that's number one, seeking the will of God, knowing the will of God. And number two, believing that he will give you grace to do his will. That's by grace, through faith. I have faith that God will see me through, and so he pours out his grace. We receive his grace. It is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It brings God pleasure when we walk in his way. And things will go Way better for you because God's way is always the best way. That's something that the Lord is teaching me and my wife, Sarah, to to just flow in his unforced rhythms of grace. If you try to force things to happen that's out of God's will or out of God's timing, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be miserable. But when it's God's timing, 
when it's His will, there will be an unforced rhythm of grace that comes over you. You know, there's times when I wanted to go out and do something, to go accomplish this thing that I've been wanting to do. And God said, no, it's not now. Don't move ahead with that. You need to rest in that. And trust me, wait. And when I did that, there was grace. There was no grace to move forward. God said, stop and rest. And there's other times when I said, you know, God, I just want to rest in this. I don't want to do this right now. I don't want to tackle that. And God said, no, move, move forward. Go ahead. It's time to get after it. It's time to get to work. It's time to obey this word that I've given you. And, you know, maybe we were really busy during that time. Maybe it was hard work, difficult work. Maybe it was a hard assignment that God had given you. Maybe you had to go, you know, talk to a family member or something and and confront a situation. It may have been difficult, but at the same time, you were in His grace. There was grace for that difficult task. You know, when God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt and said, go to the promised land, they had to walk through the wilderness. They had a journey through the wilderness. And granted, they made it way harder on themselves than it had to be. There was grace for that journey. There was grace for the journey, and there was grace for the promised land. You know, sometimes I've done this before. You look back on something in your life and say, ooh, that went well. Or you look back on a good time in your life and say, oh, I want to replicate that. It was so wonderful. God's grace was all over it. But if it's not God's will, if it's not God's time, and it ain't going to turn out like that again. It's not going to work out in the same way. You can't force it. You can try to force it, but it won't be blessed. You know, there are seasons in life. There's seasons in our church. Our church has seasons. And I'll go to my dad and say, hey, you, I, we should do this. Remember how good it was? And he, he'd pray about it. He'd say, I just don't think there's grace for it right now. And sure enough, there wasn't. And you look back and, and maybe you didn't, you, you didn't see that this was going to happen. You didn't understand why there wasn't going to be grace on it. But God just said, hold up. You've got to seek His will and then be carried in His will. Anything short of that is useless, it's pointless, and there is no blessing on it. Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. All that work, all that struggle for nothing. I remember in school, they taught us the definition of work. And I don't know if this was some just homeschool thing or whatever. Okay, but they said that if you push on a heavy piece of furniture for eight hours and it didn't move, no work had been accomplished. And I remember I was upset by this. I was shocked. This isn't fair. They had a little cartoon picture of a guy with sweat flying off his head and he was pushing on that thing. How could he push on it for eight hours and no work had been done? Look at the effort that had been put forth. But the Bible teaches us 
the same thing. We can push all we want. We can strain and struggle and try to force something to happen that isn't God's will all we want. But if we don't let God do the work, nothing has been accomplished. No good work has been done. And finally, to be carried takes humility. Band, y'all can go ahead and come on up. To be carried takes humility. The proud don't like to be carried. The proud don't like to be helped. Here, let me help you. No, 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 I got it. Don't touch me. That's a, a proud person. He resists help. 1 Peter 5 says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Jesus said, if you want to be proud and resist me and resist my help and my strength, then you're not going to receive from me. I have to resist you. But if you flow in humility, if you say, God, I need you, then grace is poured over your life. What does that mean? It's a gift. It means you're going to receive everything that you need. I want to read about a humble man in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men were on the face of the earth. And you might say, oh, this is good. Until you realize that Moses wrote this. You say, what? How could a humble man say that he's the most humble man on the face of the earth? That's prideful. But it, it isn't prideful because humility is admitting that you are nothing without God. You can do nothing without God. It's him who's accomplished every good thing in your life. When Moses wrote this, he was saying, I need God more than anyone else on this planet. He said, I remember when I stood before Pharaoh, I was tongue-tied, stuttering. I was so afraid. I didn't know what to do. And God spoke to me and he made a way. I remember when we were trapped at the Red Sea and the Egyptians were closing in. There's nowhere to go. We were just dead men walking. There was nothing we could do. And God made a way. He used me to make a way. And so I've learned in every situation to not rely on my strength, but to listen, God, what do you want me to do? And He will make the way. By admitting his lowliness, by admitting his humility, Moses was glorifying God because everything that had been done through Moses was done by God. A humble man is carried, carried by God's grace. And he looks back over his life at the end and says, look what the Lord has done. I want to close with Zechariah Chapter 4, verse 6. Let's stand to our feet. Zerubbabel was among the Jews who God freed 
from the Babylonian captivity and brought them back to the land of Israel. God's temple had been destroyed by their enemies. And God chose Zerubbabel to rebuild it. And he was probably wondering, how am I going to do this? And the Lord spoke this to him. This, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. That's how you're going to do this, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. He said, it's my will that you rebuild this temple. So whatever stands in your way, whatever mountain is in your way, it's going to be removed. You don't have to wonder how you're going to do it. You don't have to wonder if you have enough strength to do it because I'm going to take care of you. Whatever in your way is going to be cleared. And he said, he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. The capstone was the last stone placed on the building. And when it's all over, When it's all done, all you could do is back up and say, grace, grace. When our life is over, when it's all done, when my life is over and the capstone is set, I just want to look back and say, God, it was just your grace. Look what all you've done. Look at the gifts that you've given me. God, you're so good. If you're not assured of that gift, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, maybe you know about him, maybe you've been to church all your life, but you don't have a relationship with him. You've never received from him the gift of the cross. I want to give you that opportunity right now. We're not going to bow our heads or anything. Just raise your hand if you say, I need that gift today. Raise your hand high. If you're at home, raise your hand high. Say, I want to be saved. All you have to do right now is ask him into your heart. Receive that gift and let his grace wash over you. Stop striving. Stop struggling. Give it over to God and let him carry you. The Bible tells us to be baptized and you can be baptized by signing up in the info booth on your way out or on our website. You can sign up to be baptized or you can call the church office and we'll give you instructions. And for those of you who are saved, who are assured that when you get to the end of your life, and your capstone is set, that it will be a blessed thing when you're going to a better place. We're going to the real promised land when we die. If that's you, I pray that we just stand firm, that we shall not be moved through this year. No matter what happens, we stand firm in Him. And every one of us Learn to flow in the unforced rhythms of grace. We all can grow in that. None of us have reached a place that we don't need 
to grow. Let's pray right now. God, carry us through this new year. Strengthen us through this new year. We want to go to a place that is even more blessed by the end of this year than we are right now, Father. We want to be stronger in you. We want to receive from you this year, Father. We want to have the power to overcome Satan in our life. We want to have the power in our life to witness, Lord, and further your kingdom. Strengthen us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's bless Pastor Josh. Did a great job. Great teaching on grace. How many of you believe right now as we're entering into January here in 2021 that God is going to keep you? You can't re-preach that message. You can't re-preach the message today, but you're going to believe God's going to keep you and that God's going to carry you. How many of you there today? When I finish with this message, I shall not be moved. I'll be preaching next week. Josh is doing a great job. I'm trying to get his legs under him. He's doing a phenomenal job. He's already passed his dad up. But we just want to give God glory and praise for all that he's doing. It's not a comfortable thing when your son can out-preach you. Believe me, it really isn't a good thing. But he's doing a phenomenal job. I'm so proud of him. I want to ask you something as I've been meditating on the Lord and just praying. And I just want to invite you to join me for a week of fasting this week. It'll begin uh, tonight as you go to bed. And it'll end after church next Sunday morning. Again, I say invitation because I'm not telling what you what you need to do. But you know, I've learned in my life and every significant, impactful, powerful moment in my life that really transitioned me into something was always covered in a season of fasting and prayer. Jesus said, you know, that demon that needs to come out of your life and that mountain that needs to be moved, it's not going to be moved. This kind only come out by prayer and fasting. And maybe you've never fasted before. And I just want to, I don't want to overteach this and I don't want to overspeak it right now, but I just want you to pray and ask the Lord. You know, many times in January, we, we fasted over the years. Some years we haven't. But I just feel the led of the Lord to do that this year. And you know, I'm going to tell you what gets in the way of the revelation that God wants to give you, that gets in the way of the grace and, and you know, and the God's keeping and carrying power in your life. It's that old flesh. That old flesh. I call it the flesh monster. You know why a lot of churches fast in January? Because in January, it's kind of easier to get people to fast because of that old flesh monster. You're just tired of eating, you know, dressing and gravy and apple pie and pecan pie and sweet tea and Mountain Dew and, ah, Dr. Pepper. The flesh monster is just so powerful. We built him up. And I want to tell you, it's time to kill him. Amen. It's time to kill him. And I want to tell you, your greatest need is not to join the gym. Your greatest need is not to go on a diet. Your greatest need is to deal with that flesh monster in your life. You've given given him his way, and it's time to put him under. Come on, can I get a witness in the house? Crucify him! And I'm telling you, and I thank God when I was a young man, I don't thank God for this, but I had never heard a message on tie or, or or. fasting ever ever did I hear hear anybody ever talking about fasting 
And I was at a season in my life when I just needed God to show me and give me some direction in my life. And this one guy at this conference talked about fasting and how it changed his life. And I'm like, hello, how have I not read this? Jesus said, listen, when I leave and there's this longing for my presence, the disciples will fast at that point. We're called to fast. It brings the presence of the Lord. You don't buy God's presence like John said. But what it does is get your flesh out of the way. It was my first time of fasting in my life. And on the 17th day of that particular fast, because it was a powerful transition in my life that would occur, I was up at the woods at my daddy's mama's house praying and under an oak tree somewhere and knelt down to some damp leaves and said, God, I need you to help me. I need you to give me direction. And God spoke to my heart. And I got up off of my knees and directed my family in a certain direction. That was God's will for my life. And I want to tell you, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what breakthrough you need. I don't know what direction you need. But I'm telling you, I know everybody needs a word from the Lord. And so as the Lord leads you, I'm going to ask you just to take this this week. Make sure in January that you have a, a plan to read God's Word in your life. I would love to see every one of you read through God's Word like we've done for years and years and years. I don't read very well, you say. Well, you know, get an audio Bible. Do whatever you need to do to hear God's Word. I love devotionals. Devotionals are great. It's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. But don't let devotionals be the only word that you get in your spirit. It's not enough. Let a a devotional be on top of your reading of God's Word. This week, get along with God. If you got to go out and walk in the yard, if you got to walk down the road, if you got to just go lock yourself in a room somewhere, get along with God and just let Him talk to you. You don't have to put on airs. You don't have to preach in the King James language. You don't have to do anything. Just get along with God, and you'll be surprised how much you start hearing when you get that flesh crucified. I want to say to you, you know what? Again, I'm not the Holy Spirit, but, you know, kind of steer away from the Daniel fast thing. You know what I'm saying? I'll be honest with you, when Daniel was eating the vegetables and the water, he wasn't going on a fast, believe me. Go on a biblical fast. Do liquids. Do whatever you need to do. That's what we normally do, liquids. We try to get some protein in us so that whatever little muscle I have doesn't atrophy and go away. Amen. But I, want to, I believe that God's going to do a powerful thing in your life as you submit to the Lord here in January. Fasting say, is saying, is humbling ourselves through fasting, saying, God, as Josh said, I need you. I need you this year. I need you to help me. I don't need my plan. I don't need my wisdom. I don't need my strength. I need grace. I need your presence. I need your power. And you know, that sacrifice and that time of prayer There may not be a breakthrough next week, but that breakthrough may come in July. That breakthrough may come in October. But I believe that God's grace will see you throughout the entire year. How many of you believe that today? Next week I'll preach on God is building me. God is completing me. We're going to talk about some of the tough times and why they are. At the end of that message, we'll come and bring our offering together. Before the Lord, we won't do it the first part of the service and 
you know, we got a lot going on. I wouldn't really, like Josh said, you know what, I, I, I don't want to deal with the buildings right now. Well, we tore them down. We got to deal, deal with something. And I got to do some design work. And I, you know, it's going to be a busy year for me. Pray for your pastor. Pray for the leadership. We have some great leadership. When that projector went out, I'm telling you, Matt and the guys made a million phone calls, did everything they could to get it up and running, got up here on the holidays and installed that thing. We have a great staff. I want you to bless our staff right now. You have no idea what these guys go through sometimes. And that work that Josh talked about, I'm telling you what, they poured every ounce of that parking lot out there. We formed every bit of it. We graded every bit of it. When the heat index, heat index was about 120 degrees out there, amen, we have a marvelous staff. Why did you do it then? Because that's when the grace was. Amen. That's when the grace hit. And that's when we did it. So I bless you. I bless you. If you're watching today online, I bless you. And I am praying for you to have a fruitful and blessed New Year's. Can we all say amen together? God has been so good. And God is going to continue to show forth His goodness and His grace. Amen. How many of you happy to be in the Lord today? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. God bless you. You are dismissed. Amen. My cross I'll carry till I see you.